Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. It's Scout Fantasy Sports. Hey there, everybody. It's Dr. Roto. Get out the insurance cards. Get out the copay. The office is open, my friends. Adam Ronas, a lot I want to talk to you about today. I want to lead off with that umpiring last night in that Rangers-Astros game. Have you ever seen an umpire act like that in your life? Yeah, I think we see it too much. But the umpire basically said he can do what he wants. And obviously, talking about the Astros game, and uh, it was definitely an ugly situation there. I mean, the, the, the first call, was it was a poor, I mean, look, it was a bad call. It was, there was no way that's a strike. He calls it a strike, and everybody in the in the basically to set up the the thing for for people. Everybody in the Astros dugouts like what? And then AJ Hinch was not even trying to start anything. Goes out and basically is like, you know, talking to the guy right. And then all of a sudden, everybody he's as as the guy as the pitcher's pitching again. The umpire is looking in the dugout like he's more worried about what people are thinking about him than calling a game. You made a bad call. Move on. Or just say you're sorry. I don't know. But, I mean, I just thought what I saw yesterday was absolutely disgusting, Ronas. Yeah, you just have to move on. Like, you shouldn't be the story of the game. You shouldn't be a focus. You know, you're going to hear things from the dugout if you make a bad call. And part of being an umpire is ignoring it, not engaging in it. You know, every umpire is going to make mistakes. It's, you know, tough. You know, we sit here, we see replays, but... You know, these guys have to make a judgment on a ball that's 99 miles per hour with movement. And, you know, sometimes it's obvious, yeah, that ball was way low. Uh, there was a play last night, a pitch with J.D. Martinez late in the Red Sox game. And I was like, wow, that pitch is real low. Called him out. Uh, J.D. expressed his frustrations, but the umpire did a good job of not throwing him out of the game and showing restraint and kind of explained it to him. And that's what you need to do. The play already happened. Yeah, guys from the dog, dugout are going to be barking, but – you got to ignore it. You got to move on. Don't like take off your mask and start engaging and acting like you're bigger than the game. It, there's no need for that. Just move on. You know, I, I refereed for years, Ronis, volleyball and basketball. It's not easy. I mean, everybody hates you. I mean, you literally go in and everybody thinks you're wrong. And even the people who are nice to you and respect you, they don't like you either, right? So it's, it's they, they, they respect you, but still, if you make a bad call, they're angry at you. But I think you said it the right way. Like in boxing, you should never see the referee. When you see the referee too much, he's getting too involved in the fight. Yeah, and in all sports, we have uh, issues with officiating. I mean, it's always a big deal in football. Uh, There was a play last night for the Red Sox where they called him safe at first base. And I was like, really? I mean, from the naked eye, he looked out. They showed the replay, and yeah, he was clearly out by like half a step, and they challenged it, and they won. So there's going to be mistakes made. And, you know, I've already seen – you see it every game with balls and strikes. It's impossible to get everything right. But you just have to ignore the dugout because uh, it's going to happen every single game. There's going to be one side and sometimes both sides where they're frustrated with the strike zone. 
you just got to try and be consistent, but you just cannot engage and take off your mask and ignite and basically cause an ejection. And that's essentially what was done last night. So uh, obviously the Astros were frustrated and uh, they lose once again. So uh, it, it's, it's going to happen, but the umpires have got to move on. It's funny you said that because I think you're right. I think he did cause an ejection. I don't think A.J. Hinch went out. You know, sometimes managers go out to pick a fight and get tossed. I never felt that way about Hinch. And then he ends up getting tossed. Uh, you know, look, and the Astros end up losing, which was very contrarian, very good play contrarian there. If you played the Rangers. But I don't think it had to go down that way. No, it didn't because uh, sometimes managers do want to get ejected, whether it's their team is slumping, they want to fire up the team. Uh, sometimes you know and you can sense it right away, like, okay, this guy is really trying to get ejected here. But I didn't feel that was the case yesterday. I don't even think he was going to come out and argue at all. It was just, uh, you know, he took off his mask and started barking at the dugout, and that he went out to kind of explain, you know, the situation. And like, hey, like, guys are just upset the strikes home, and, you know, just continue – to call the game. There's, none, there's no problem here. Now, let me ask you this. When you play DFS baseball, do you look at umpires like who's the guy? Does he have a bigger strike zone? Is he more generous? Do you think like that when you play or do you overlook that? Uh, you can look at it. I mean, it's really, I don't think it's a main factor, um, but I don't know if there's enough data on it yet for this year i mean you'd have to look at last year but you know it can change so i, I think it's a, a factor but it's probably down the chart okay i really don't look at it as much as i should I, I know some of the expert players do maybe that's my flaw but uh, i'll have to think about that all right i want to talk to you about something else here adam and i don't know whether this is me complaining which is something i tend to do or is it just something that's real and i don't know how to deal with it but i need your help here so in Tout Wars, I'm in the head-to-head -head league, as you know. Last week, so there are 12 teams. Last week, I played Ian Khan. I had the second most overall points, but I lost to him. So, so it's two points for hitting, two points for pitching, and two points for overall. I went two and four last week because I lost to him in hitting in the overall, even though I had the second most points. This week, I'm playing Andrea Lamont. Second most points overall. I'm two and four again. I'm beating her in pitching. I'm losing in hitting. I'm better than every other team. I, it, it's conceivable that I could be four and eight after this week and have been literally the second best team. How do you reconcile that in head to head? I've said it for years. I do it in football, double headers, right? I mean, I'm, I don't know how many times I've said this. Uh, that was even a league I played in, points league, where we actually played triple headers for. A little while we started with double headers the lead expanded we played triple headers so i do it in my home football league every single year because it happens you're gonna obviously in the high stakes leagues like the fantasy football world championship you know the points are a big factor where we do record and points record and points so if you do have a lot of points and we have seen this where teams you know have five wins and they just unlucky every week but they have the second most points or the most points they get in so uh, that's the way to do it. I think baseball over the long haul, if you continue to be that productive, that it should work itself out where you get in the playoffs. But it's one of the unfortunate things with uh, head to head league is, you know, you could have a couple really good weeks. And, uh, you know, obviously in this format, it's a little bit different, but there's some people who only just play a win loss. So there could be a team uh, at the end of this week and we still have, you know, 
four, three and a half days here left to play, so it could quickly change. But there are some people who are going to start this year, uh, you know, with a, a ton of points and, and be zero and two. I know it's just so we don't do it that way. Like I said, we keep total win, total points. So it's I have four as of right now. I would have four wins, two for pitching for both weeks. But I'd have you know six you know eight eight loss points right for the hittings and then the overall. But it's just like when you say double headers, is that me playing two different teams? Why why couldn't it be that we play? Every, everybody plays, and the team that wins that week gets 12, and the second place gets 11, and then 10. Because at that case, I'd have 22 points this week. Uh, I'd have 22 points after two weeks. It's essentially a roto league then. Playing each week, though. Right? right? If you think about it, each week, whoever comes in first gets 12. Whoever comes in last gets one. Yeah, it's essentially a roto league. But is it? Is, but the roto leagues are just an accumulation. So if I have fifty home runs, I, I could come last and still be in first place in home runs for the next month. But you're saying that. So if you score the most points in the week, you want twelve points, right? Not, well, yeah. Compared because compared to every other team that week, I was the best team. So you're isn't that really what's head to head? But isn't that really head to head? Because it's not. I know it's head to head against my opponent. But aren't if I was going head to head against the league, I would have won every team except the team I'm playing twice yeah, now. But again, that's what football is, man, and that's why I think it's. I don't like it. I mean, I don't. I don't. Right. Think it's the right way to play. But that's the right. problem. Okay. Here, here. I think a lot of reason why head to head is popular right now is the people coming over from fantasy football. Roto's too complicated for them. They're used to the head-to-head game. So that's why they want to play head-to-head in baseball. I don't think it's the right way for baseball. It's not, it doesn't tell you who the best team is. I mean, I've had many years where I was like the best team in a head-to-head league did not win the championship. That's not how it's supposed to be played. I mean, I, I know, know but, it, but in, 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 football. in football, we save it, though, because we have the most points, right? And in most good leagues, the team with the most points who doesn't make it can can 90 times, 90% of the time gets in. But in but baseball, it doesn't that, work but, out that way. No, but not all football leagues are set up that way. You're, we're, look, we're talking the high-stakes league because we play in them and we're familiar with them. That's not what the average league plays with. A lot of leagues, and I put out this poll, and I was surprised at the pushback. A lot of people still want top six records. And I think that is the stupidest thing in the world. And I had people arguing with me, like, well, you weren't good enough to make the playoffs. Like, you didn't set your roster right. I'm like, are you kidding me? Do you guys realize there's an element of luck here? This schedule is randomly done. There's, it's not any strat- strategy here. These websites generate it automatically. There's nothing here. You could, you could have bad luck. We've all been there. You go and you face a team every week that has no buys. And you're going up and you have seem bi-week issues every single week and all of a sudden you lose four weeks in a row i just think people are used to the fantasy football and i will say this and i don't mean to insult people but people want simplicity and head-to-head is just it's more simple it's trash talk and it also is a way for the inferior player to have a chance to win because they feel like they can either game the system with pickups each week and you know pitchers whether if there's no rules that hinder that and that's why in a head-to-head league, if you're a commissioner, you have to at least have a limitation on acquisitions each week. You have to have a limitation on max starts each week. And I recommend double headers. Otherwise, you know, you're going to have this where you're going to have good teams that just have some bad luck and struggle. Now, over the course of five months, it should work itself out. If your team is that good, you should get in. Then it comes down to the playoffs on a week-to-week basis where 
We all know the best player in baseball, even the best pitcher, as good as Jacob DeGrom has been, and maybe he's a bad example because he hasn't given up more than three earned runs since April of 2018, but there will be a week where he has a bad start, and maybe he has a one bad start or one average start, and that's a guy that's carried you all year long. And in that one week, you're going against someone who has Matt Boyd on a two-start week, I and know, somehow Matt I Boyd know. has 28 strikeouts and you lose. No, no. I mean, head-to-head is frustrating for, for multiple reasons, and I think you've alluded to them. that the we- I have Jacob DeGrom, and I, in fact, I do in tout. Well, what if in the in the championship week he only plays one game and he's playing one game against the Dodgers? You know, I, I got a bad I got a bad draw there. I, you know, I just I, I also respect what you said about the the football league because it's funny because one of my football leagues did not have the six, the sixth seed getting in on points and I asked for that rule to be changed and we voted on it and it went in and I remember last year thinking how can we do it on record? It is so randomized. And there's something, I, I like a points league. It's funny, I've been playing this points league in tout, and I don't dislike it. I actually like it. But the head-to-head part of it, I really find I despise because it's just, I mean, and I could tell you this, Adam, and I know this is like sour grapes, but I, I can prove it to you if, I look, if you look at last year's numbers. There were like five weeks in a row where I played teams who all sucked. I mean, didn't have over 500 all year. But the week they played me, it was like God inspired them. They put up the most points they'd ever had all year, and they ended up beating me in a week. And, and like the, the very next week, they went from putting up like 150 points to 32. I'm like, how is that possible? But it isn't head-to-head. Yeah, it happens quite a bit, and you know, it's one of the unfortunate parts. And again, I do enjoy head-to-head leagues, but it would not be my primary league. It's I feel like the Roto format is a more... Uh, best way to kind of crown the most deserving champion. Uh, but I do understand the aspect of head to head where it's fun. Uh, but I changed the rule in my league, even with the double headers. I, I think I told you this, like every single year, it worked out that the top six points with the double headers got in. And two years ago was the first year that it didn't. There was a team with the second most points and he did not get in. And I felt bad. He's like, no, I understand, man. You know, I should have won this week. I didn't. You know, it happens. But I'm like, no, that's not right. So I changed the rule. My friend uh, who got in as the beneficiary of not having the top six points joked, hey, the rule should be named after me. What happened this year? He did not get in based on record because there was a team who had the most points who was not a top six record. So he got awarded the six seed. And my friend went off on me like I couldn't believe it like we got into a a huge debated argument in front of his kids and he's like well it's not fair that this happened I had a better record I go do you realize we changed this rule before the year you had no problem with it you joked that we should name it after you and now you have a problem well well because this guy got in and he didn't deserve to and he's like a good friend of mine and he thought like I set up the system to help my friend I'm like dude I want the guy to lose more than anyone I don't want him to win. I don't want any of my friends to win. You know, especially when this is what I do. You think I want someone who has the average job? Hey, you do this full time and I beat you. You know, it's going to happen. So I don't want him to win. And I'm just like, I couldn't believe what he was saying. He's like, well, it's not right. He had, he he had a chance to win this week and he didn't get it done. I'm like, are you kidding me? There's pressure in fantasy? <laughs> you got to go out there and perform every week? Like, what are you guys talking about? I want the most fair system. If you have the most points in a fantasy football league and you just happen to not have the best record, 
You shouldn't be penalized for it. You should get well, in as the last spot. I, I know. I don't understand so, why so, this is complex. So I'm looking here, right? And I know it's only two weeks. I have the second most points, and I have the most points against me by, by a ton. So like the two teams against me, 376 points against me. The next closest one is 302. That just tells you the two weeks I played, played the, the, the toughest teams. But I think you're right. But I don't see them changing anything this year. But I, I don't know. I, look. Yeah, I think I, with, with you, it's not a big deal. It's a two-week sample. We haven't even finished the week. You might finish out the week and win. So... I, if this yeah. if this is tr- if this is like the end of June, Adam, and it's like this, I don't think I can do this anymore. I just but it's don't. Good. But you knew this going in. No, I, I I will still be in tout, but I can't be in this format anymore. I'll let somebody else do it. I'll switch the leagues with somebody. I don't care. I'll play AL only. I don't like mono leagues, but I'll play AL only over doing this because I can't watch it. I can't watch being the the, the second best and, and not and not showing it. I mean, again, your argument would be more strong if it was August. It's right. only two weeks. No, you're right. It can right. easily turn around. If your team is that good, then it'll eventually even out. No, it's true. All right, just wanted to share that this morning. All right, when we come back, there's a little afternoon baseball. We'll take a look at the afternoon slate. We'll take a look at the night slate. We'll do it all when Scout Fantasy Sports returns right after this. Made Sailors is the leading cleaning service in New York City and Boston. We service homes, offices, corporate apartments, and Airbnb turnarounds. Give us a call or a text at 212-299-5170 to book now. That's 212-299-5170. Use the promo code FNTSY for 15% off your first cleaning. For more information, go to MadeSailors.com. That's MadeSailors.com. What's your IRS problem? Do you owe back taxes? Is there a lien placed on your property? Have your bank accounts been frozen or seized? Have your wages been garnished? Are you being audited by the IRS? Are they sending you letters that demand actions and have urgent due dates? Well, solving your tax problems is as easy as calling Taxes 321. The IRS is the largest collection agency in the world. You need the best representation to give you peace of mind. You need experienced professionals that can cut through the red tape and stop the collection process. If you have a serious problem with the IRS, call the Taxes 321 network today. We'll get them off your back. 800 Scout Fantasy Sports. For fantasy purposes, you know, Andrew Hart was a guy that went sixth, seventh round. Uh, people were relying on him as a fixture of the team, and now you could potentially lose him for the entire season. You know I had a torn labrum, right? It, it hurt for well more than a couple of weeks. Any throwing motion like that where you're moving your arm back is incredibly painful. Man, I, I think that three or four weeks is really aggressive. I think we're looking, what is it, April? I think we're looking at June at the earliest, to be honest with you. Weekdays, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern on the Fantasy Sports Network and on your popular podcast providers. All right, we're back for Scout Fantasy Sports. Ronas, please tell me we don't speak that quickly. Was that was that hyped up? To, was that was that put on a tape quickly? Probably. <laughs> I like, I've heard that before, and I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> Is that what I think? Do I really sound like that? <laughs> I'm like, who's going to talk about this? How can you hear me? I can't pay attention. I'm like, 
Do we, do no, really I don't talk? think so. Because you know what? I know people who listen to the show, they would have said something. That is definitely not real time. That can't be. <laughs> I don't even drink coffee. I, I do. I have a cup of coffee before the show, but it's not like I have five cups of coffee before the show. Oh, my God. Is it possible to speak that quickly? I don't even know if it's that quickly. I, don't know if I, I, I can't even think that quickly. Uh, I am... Uh, uh, <laughs> There's been some technology issues here, so I'll just you know go by that because I don't I don't think that is normal. Or maybe they're just trying to get it into like a 20 second cut and it's a 30 second soundbite. Could be. Oh, phew. All right, that's it. Because I'm like I listened to it yesterday. I I really been thinking about it for the last 24 hours, Adam. I'm like, do I really sound like that on the radio? I, I hope I didn't because I don't know how people have been listening to me for years. I couldn't listen to me. Yeah, that, that just sounds crazy. I'd be like, wait a second, what? And someone would say something, right? I mean, someone would say, like, hey, you know, you're talking a little fast. Like, I just can't comprehend every word. Can you just slow it down a little bit? <laughs> right. Or maybe they maybe they're our friends and they didn't want to hurt our feelings. I don't know. Could it be that? No, someone no, would say something. Uh, somebody people. <laughs> okay. All right, let's take a quick look at last night's games. The Boston Red Sox finally win a game, Adam. Were you surprised to see Matt Barnes not get the save? No, because basically they are struggling right now. And the situation was it was the bottom of the seventh and Chris Davis was up. So we are seeing managers do this a little bit more. And in my mind, they said, okay, Cora probably said, this is a key part of the game. Uh, I don't want Chris Davis to go yard here. We're not hitting. Uh, If we fall down by two, it could be demoralizing. So to me, this is an important part of the game here. I think we need to keep it tied. So he brings in Barnes to get Davis out, which he did. You let him pitch the eighth, and it worked out because they took the lead, and then Brazier comes in for the ninth and gets the save. So uh, I don't know if Barnes is the closer for sure. They really haven't named it. My guess is he gets the next save opportunity, but this was just a case of bringing him into a high-leverage spot, a critical part of the game, and he felt like he needed to get Davis out there, and Barnes did the job. All right, let's take a look also at the Dodgers and the Giants. Kiki Hernandez, dude, another home run. I mean, he's got to be one of the top pickups of this week if if he's still out there in your league. Yeah, I can't see him being available anymore. He was probably picked up over the weekend if he was undrafted. And, you know, I I had talked about him and basically saying that, you know, if we knew he was the everyday second baseman, you know, I would have definitely drafted him higher. Once he was officially named, you know, I bumped him way up my rankings uh, ahead of a Chris Taylor, who is still playing quite a bit, but, you know, is definitely at risk now because he struck out quite a bit last year, and we're seeing that early on. But Hernandez was good last year against righties, too. Everyone in DFS knows, oh, yeah, when Hernandez is in there, we're going to use him against the lefty. But he had actually a higher OPS against right-handers last year. So I was a little bit surprised that they waited till so late to name him the everyday second baseman. And some people might have been leery, like, well, it's the Dodgers. They're going to move things around. And what if he slumps? And maybe that's a possibility. But I think it's for real. He had 21 homers last year and slightly over 400 at-bats. He's a good team. He's probably going to hit a leadoff against left-handers. So I think he's for real. I wouldn't waste any time if he was available. Uh, he was available in the league last week that I was in. And uh, I put in a bid, but it wasn't high enough because I didn't desperately need him. If I did, uh, then I would have went way higher. 
but I was uh, disappointed not to get him because I think he's for real. I drafted him in labor. I mean, he's uh, he's in my outfield right now. Qualifies at second short in outfield. The guy's hitting four thirty five on the season. I, tr- I I made a mistake in tout. He was out there in the reserve round, and my you know the guy who was in uh, who's drafting for me. He was like, "What about Kiki?" And I was like, "Well, no, take Tim Anderson." And I guess retrospectively, I mean, I like Tim Anderson. I love the upside, but Kiki, I like the position eligibility, and I probably should have done that instead. But he really looks, uh, he looks solid. So he's somebody that people should keep their eyes on. But they are, uh, there's afternoon baseball, Adam. The Royals are playing the Tigers. It's 3-2 Royals right now in the top of the fifth. Uh, Junis is on the mound, five strikeouts. Whit Merrifield, two for three with two runs scored. Alex Gordon uh, with an RBI. Jorge Soler with two for two with an RBI. I know that you were talking up Soler. He looks like he sh- I mean, he just hasn't been able to stay healthy. Assuming he gets 550 to 600 at-bats, can we pencil him in for 2590? Uh, 25, yes. I don't know about the 90 on this team, although... You know, if Merrifield can do what he did last year, and Mondesi looks really good so far, though, today, 0 for 3 with three strikeouts, uh, and he has yet to draw a walk. So that's the one thing with Mondesi. He's very exciting. He's good. But when he goes into a slump, it's going to be ugly, especially in points league. So you're penalized for strikeouts. And, you know, that's why you want to see a guy be patient and draw some walks because when they aren't hitting – you want to find a way for a player like this to get on base so he can steal and get out of that slump. If he's not drawing any walks, it's going to be a problem. But with those two guys uh, and being aggressive on the base pass and, you know, Gordon's in third for now and he's off to a good start. We've kind of seen this before where we know what he is at this point. I don't know if the RBIs will be there, but I do think the power is for real. And, you know, Soler was good last year before he got hurt, and I think people forgot that's why he was real cheap in drafts. You know, you were getting him after the 20th round, but he is hitting cleanup, even if it is the Royals lineup, which is not very potent. But I think up top, they have an opportunity to be pretty good. So, yeah, I, I, I'm a believer in Soler and uh, kind of wish I had him in more leagues. He was definitely someone I was looking at, you know, 21st, 22nd, 23rd round of drafts. All right, I'm looking at the Tigers lineup here. The Tigers uh, put up two runs today, uh, Cabrera with an RBI and Nico Goodrum with an RBI. But I'm just I'm going to give you these numbers and then I'm going to ask the question. So 120, 250, 148, 286, 258, 083, 100, 136, 143. That's the batting average of all the guys who are playing for the Tigers right now. At some point, at what point do you wait it out and like, look, you know, Miguel Cabrera is a good hitter. I know he's hitting 148. At what point do you wait it out and at what point do you get nervous? I know it's only two, uh, you know, week two of the season, so I'm not going to panic yet. But at what point am I allowed to panic? Well, I think most of these guys you didn't expect much from anyway. So when you look at the bottom of part of the lineup, no one's relying on them. So it's not a surprise at all. Uh, I think. All right, but Josh Harrison hitting 120. I think I expected a little bit more. But did you really expect Josh Harrison to be that good? I no, mean, but I expected 260 or 270. Well, I mean, it's, it's seven it's, games. I'm just, so, so that's my question. Don't, don't, don't pick on the Tigers part. The question was, how long do you wait for guys to, to be where they should be, the, be, regress back to the mean? I mean, I, would, I don't want Harrison on my team anyway. I mean, <laughs> what is he going to do? 10 home runs, 10 steals? I mean, 
if the, if you all right, so Brandon making... Nemo, who's o, who's o ninety one. At what point do you stop waiting on guys? You didn't ask me about Nemo. I know I'm about asking about. So I'm changing it now. It's the same concept. It's, no, it's not. You, oh, yeah, Har- Harrison and Nemo are the same player. No, I'm saying to you the general question is if you guys just, got but you asked me about the Tigers. That's who we were talking about. You we didn't were. ask me. You were but talking I said, about the Tigers. But I did say the Tigers. And you asked I know, me about and then, Harrison. And but the, then I morphed the question into, you, if you listened, I morphed the question into, in general, how long do you wait? You did not say that, Doc. I you did. said the Tigers. And then you I, the originally, and I was talking originally. about Harrison. Okay, you gave so me the whole averages for the Tigers. Right. Did I did. Not? I did. And then I, then when I, after I said that, I said, how long in general do we wait on players? Not just but it, specifically but you, the Tigers. But you got to be specific because every player is different. Okay. So, all right. In general, can we give me a general statement or for each player? Is that each player you'll wait a different amount of time? Yeah. I mean, you got to be at least a month for some guys. You okay. can't. It's seven games, eight games. It's cold weather. Guys are not used to playing. Some guys didn't play a lot in the spring. So you can't panic with a lot of guys. All right, so Nimmo is at own. How long do you wait? Is there a difference? I'm just throwing out now. Now I'm going to get specific. Nimmo and Brian Dozier, would you wait longer on one than another or the same on both? Probably the same on both. I think with Dozier, he gets a boost moving up to the two spot for now. I don't know how long they'll keep him there. I think Dozier last year was clearly injury related. Some people are going to say they're worried because of age, but. I think he clearly was playing with that bone bruise last year, which he stated, and you could see it in the numbers. He wasn't driving the ball as much, and he went out there and played, but the numbers weren't the same. And he's also going to a new team, so there's an adjustment period. And they've also faced, you know, <laughs> they Good faced pitching. DeGrom, Syndergaard, and Wheeler. And then the Phillies, I know Nola didn't have a good start, but he went against Nola, Eflin, who had a good start, so... But that's part of playing in the National League East. You're going to face good pitching. So with him, I'd be patient. Nimmo, the strikeouts are a little bit of a concern, and he doesn't have the track record that some other players do. Uh, but if they're going to continue to hit him leadoff and he gets on base, uh, and I do have him in the league, I'm going to be a little bit more patient with him. But the strikeouts are definitely concerning. I mean, he struck out in half his at-bats. He struck out again today. But another guy that has faced Scherzer, Strasburg twice now, and the Marlins pitchers, are good. Everyone is going to dismiss them, but that staff is really good. They get strikeouts. They're not going to hit. So again, he's, he's had a, a rough start here facing a lot of pitchers, but the good sign is he is walking and his OBP has kind of salvaged a bad batting average, but that doesn't matter if you're in a league with average. So, you know, I think Nimmo was, was a good hitter last year. He finished here with a 404 OBP. He had 17 homers and nine steals. So I think the Mets are going to be patient with him. And I would be, too, as a fantasy owner. Well, you know, this question also comes from a friend of mine who texted me. He's like, dude, what's up with Jesse Winker? He's not hitting. You know, I spent a lot of them in the draft. And, and I said to him, I said, you got to be patient with these guys. You know, I remember Ryan Sandberg was terrible in the month of April. And then all of a sudden, he started to hit the ball. Some of these guys, especially, I always used to say that the guys who are from uh, Latin America, Usually they're they're never great hitters early on because they love the warm weather and when it gets June, July, August, those guys really start to hit. So I, I think in general, you know, the question is, we get these we get comments from people all the time. What do I do with this guy? What do I do with that guy? And I, I guess the answer is to be as patient as possible. Well, Winker's the guy I worry about, and I wrote about him today in the Stock Watch. There's a reason why playing time could be an issue for him. They have four outfielders there for three spots with Kemp, Shebler, and Puig, and Winker. 
So if Winker doesn't perform, they could pull him from the lineup. They could also take him out of the leadoff spot. One of the reasons why they put him in leadoff is because of his great OBP. He's got a career OBP of 387. He's not even – and, again, it's only f- five games. They've had five games. He started three, and he's appeared in all of them. So that's a guy you got to worry about because he's not guaranteed the playing time. I don't think they pulled Nimmo at this point. Uh, so guys with playing time, you don't worry about as much because they're going to get a longer leash. But a guy like Winker, especially with the Reds not hitting, they could shake things up. And I know Matt Kemp's not off to a great starting. None of them are. But – if Winker's not getting on base, they can move him down the order, which will hurt him. And this guy is not an elite power hitter to begin with, and he doesn't have much speed. So that is a guy that you do have to worry about a little bit more because I could see the playing time diminish or at least him being pushed down the batting order. And one of the biggest appeals with him is hitting leadoff. And if he gets pushed down to seven or eight, that's going to hurt. I feel badly for the Reds because I feel like they try to put a competitive team out there and go for it, right, with Puig and Kemp and Wood and a lot of these guys. And now they're just not playing very well. And if this continues for another couple of weeks, they could start selling off pieces too early because they're like, ah, we're not, this didn't pay off. The Brewers are up by 10 games and we're out of this. And that would be disappointing to me because I respect the fact that the Reds, you know, made an effort this year, which, is, which they don't always do. Yeah, I think a lot of people were excited for the Reds or at least think that they could have been a competitor and in a mix, and it just is a poor start for them. And it's only five games. They had the cancellation. So, again, this can easily turn around. And the loss of Scooter Jeanette was pretty big. You know, you take that bat out of the lineup. Uh, Nick Senzel, they were hoping, I think, at some point, and then he had the injury setback. So now you don't have as much depth in that lineup. And, uh, they're going to shake something up. They're going to have to. Uh, Puig's off to a slow start. Kemp's not hitting. Votto is not hitting. So they need to get it going, especially at home in that ballpark. And you know, Sonny Gray wasn't great in his first outing. Uh, Tanner Roark wasn't good. Uh, Di Scalfani was good in his start. Only went five innings. Uh, and their bullpen, you know, Rosselli Iglesias, uh, I think uh, that was a closer that I had ranked pretty low. I'm definitely concerned about him. Yeah, I am too. All right, the Mets are playing the Nationals. It's the middle of fifth inning. Uh, Noah Syndergaard is uh, doing everything he can for the Mets, but the Mets are down 1-0. He actually has a no-hitter. How did that uh, run come across, Adam? Two walks, a wild pitch, and then a safety squeeze. So he has not had great commands today, uh, but those were the only two walks. And I'm not surprised that the Mets aren't hitting. We talked about this two weeks ago. They didn't get into New York till like 2 a.m. And they had to be at the ballpark early. So uh, I know people are going to say, oh, the professionals. But it's you're getting in at 2 a.m. You haven't been in New York yet this year. I just And you're going against Strasburg. You know, as much as Strasburg is a pain in the ass in fantasy, when he's healthy, you know, he, he's good. And you're seeing it today. And uh, I just think that uh, they're probably fatigued. You know, Syndergaard did fly to New York ahead of the Mets. So he was there last night getting some rest. But I knew this was going to be a very difficult day for them on the offensive side. I just think, you know, you hope to get by on adrenaline. You got the crowd. They were energetic. But uh, they're having a tough time against Strasburg this afternoon. All right, let's take a look at the rest of the slate. Uh, The Yankees against Baltimore. Uh, Man, the Yankees lose Troy Tulowitzki. Adam Gleyber Torres is the uh, shortstop now. I mean, I guess Gleyber, this this just increases his... uh, 
advantages because now he's going to qualify at another position. Yeah, although they didn't move him up in the order today. He dropped back down, and that was my biggest concern about him going into the year. So he's hitting seventh today. Uh, the fact that he's hitting seventh with the depleted lineup is not ideal. Uh, but, yeah, the Yankees are just trying to get through this period, and uh, they got to go against that great Orioles team, which is off to a sizzling start. Yeah. All right, Boston plays the, uh, the A's there. Eduardo Rodriguez against Brett Anderson. Can Erod get them out of their funk? Yeah, I think so. I like Rodriguez. I know he wasn't great first time out, but I think he has a, a very good year. The knee has been a problem for him the last couple of years and limited him, but uh, he's healthy now. And, you know, the Red Sox starters are, are a big question mark right now, and a lot of it is because the Red Sox ease back on them in the spring, and uh, this is still essentially spring training for them. You know, Eovaldi was better yesterday, but still not good enough, and uh, that's the one big concern for the Red Sox right now is, I just don't think there's uh, these guys are really in season mode yet. All right, and the last one here, Trevor Bauer goes up against the Blue Jays. He could have 15 strikeouts today. Yeah, Bauer was my pick for Cy Young. My only concern is I don't. he might have to do it Jacob deGrom style by winning 10 games because this uh, lack of offensive run support, and there's also always the chance he gets traded as well. But the Blue Jays lineup has been terrible. Uh, people keep waiting for them, and... They're not getting it done. So, yeah, Bauer can absolutely dominate today. All right, we're going to take a timeout. When we come back, we'll look at the night slate in, uh, in baseball. And, of, and there's something came out today about the Packers and Aaron Rodgers. Wanted to discuss that as well when Scout Fantasy Sports returns right after this. If you've heard of WeatherTech floor liners, you probably know that for your vehicle's floor, nothing protects better. But what about protection for the rest of your car or truck? I'm David McNeil, founder of WeatherTech. Besides our floor liners, we design, engineer, and manufacture a wide range of automotive accessories right here in America. And just like our floor liners, everything is done to the highest standards possible. We understand what kind of investment owning a vehicle can be, so we do everything possible to help you protect it. We don't take shortcuts, and we never make concessions when it comes to quality. For everything from cargo liners to cleaning and detailing supplies to mud flaps and car covers, the one place you need to go is WeatherTech.com. So if you are familiar with our floor liners, just imagine how well the rest of our products will work for you. Learn more about our full line of automotive accessories at WeatherTech.com or call 1-800-CARMATS. WeatherTech.com. Proudly made in America. Maurice Allen, 2015-2016 European Long Drive Tour Champion, 2017 World Number One. Me personally, I keep my game face on me all the time. Especially coming out of the bunker, leaving the range, or even leaving the course. What's your story? Go to GameFaceGrooming.com for all your athletic facial wipes and body cleansing needs. Rainness! Make it rain. The media likes Steph Curry, but they're not enamored with Steph Curry in order to right. catapult him to that. You are now the face of the NBA. You're the guy we're going to. They don't even do it now. And I'm telling you, he's the third or fourth guy on the list that people talk about when you're on the Golden State Warriors. It's Draymond's a, a lunatic. Kevin Durant, who's he pissed right. off? Is Clay Thompson going to leave? Nobody even talks about Steph Curry. Weekdays, 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern on the Fantasy Sports Network and on your popular podcast providers.
All right, we're back. While your attention is focused on the start of the MLB season and college basketball's Final Four, NFL teams are focusing on the upcoming 2019 NFL Draft. And for serious fantasy football players, it's never too early to start preparing for the 2019 season. Roto Experts has you covered with their NFL 365 fantasy football package, including the best math-based seasonal projections and rankings available anywhere on the Internet. Davis Maddock and the Roto Experts are providing dynasty season-long betting, best ball, and NFL draft content every day of the year to give you an edge regardless of what type of fantasy football you play. So save 10% at rotoexperts.com with the promo code FNTSY. That's 10% off with the promo code FNTSY. It's the NFL 365 Fantasy Football Package found only at rotoexperts.com. Sticking with the football for a second, Adam. So there's this big thing, uh, this deep dive that on Bleach Report where McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers, Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers, it was toxic there in Green Bay. Did you read this? No, I didn't get an opportunity to read it. I saw a couple snippets, uh, but I didn't get to read the whole thing. So let me see some of them. Aaron was upset that Mike passed on him, that Mike actually verbally said that Alex Smith was a better quarterback. So the feud started on day one. Uh, The Packers receivers ran the same routes for seven years. Rivals constantly knew what was coming. Rodgers changed about a third of McCarthy's plays. Crazy stuff, right? Yeah, that I'm not surprised about. I think we knew McCarthy was kind of historic and there was no adjustments there and I mean you could see it that there was definitely something not right and like always you know kind of winning cures everything and for a long time they were winning games and kind of just like the Steelers when you start to losing it mounts up and and it comes out. Former quarterback coach Alex Van Pelt challenged Rodgers and Rodgers respected him but McCarthy felt threatened so he let him go. McCarthy tried to demand more of Rodgers as a man. He even told him to call his estranged mother. Rodgers didn't want to hear it. Now, you, were, you knew that Rodgers' brother was on The Bachelor, right? Uh, the Bachelorette? I don't know if you saw that. He won. Well, I know he was on it, but I've never watched that show. Yeah, he won. And there was a whole thing where Aaron Rodgers didn't talk to his family. Is that a coach's job to say who he should talk to and who he should? He should or how about worry about playing against the Lions on Sunday, dude? Yeah, I mean, look, you spend so much time with guys that, you know, I'm sure they know their personal issues. And if you have that type of relationship, uh, you know, I guess you can recommend. I didn't see the context of how it was asked, but if you don't have that relationship, then, yeah, I mean, it's not something that you probably should be doing. Well, Greg Jennings seems to have said it best here. Just as much as Rodgers is part of the problem, he's a big part of the solution. That's yeah, kind of, that is true, and right? that's a guy who has played with him and knows him. So, I mean, you could see any quarterback that is that good is going to have an ego and, you know, think that they're the best. But he could have helped uh, fix the problem, too. And if, you know, former teammates are saying that, I think you have to take that into consideration. And I think Aaron Rodgers doesn't have the best reputation either. Rodgers throws out receivers who listen to coaches over him. McCarthy skipped meetings for massages. Well, I can't blame him for that, but what about Aaron Rodgers? Not froze out receivers who listened to coaches over what he wanted them to do. Yeah, I saw a, a thing where it says that Valdez Scantling, uh, Rodgers told him to run a different route, and he knew that if he didn't, then Rodgers wouldn't throw him the ball, so he ran the route, and it turned into a bad play. And then the coaches asked him what he was doing, and he made an excuse to not throw Rodgers under the bus. Right. I mean, seriously. So if the coaches say run this route 
and the co- and the quarterback says run that route. Who do you listen to? Because if you run the route the coaches want, Rodgers won't throw you the ball. And if you run the route the, the, the route Rodgers wants, the coaches are going to be angry and not play you. That is really a hard position to put your players in. It is. It's a tough spot, especially for a rookie, because you know you're trying to make your impact because. You know, you get drafted fifth, sixth round, and you don't do much your first year. I mean, there's no guarantee you make the roster the second year. So you're fighting for a job. You're trying to make this your livelihood. So it's a really tough spot to be in as a, a young wide receiver. Yeah, this is absolutely really uh, – look, I always choose the player. And I, maybe that's unfortunate to say, but I always choose the player, Adam, because coaches can be replaced, but it's very hard to replace Aaron Rodgers. Oh, yeah, for sure. You can find any coach, and maybe he sucks just as much or isn't as good, but you know you need players in the league to win, especially at the quarterback position. So uh, not really surprising. I think we kind of knew that there was something wrong, and I think one of the people who follow the NFL closely realized that McCarthy was standing there on borrowed time just because they had won. I mean, the fact that they have not been in more Super Bowls with Aaron Rodgers as the quarterback actually is – to me, uh, a, a major negative on McCarthy. Oh, yeah. And can I just say, I blame the general manager. I've got to think everybody knew this was a problem. This doesn't seem like one of those things that people are like, eh, I'm not sure this is happening. How do you not know this is happening? And if it's happening, how do you not bring him in the office and say, look, this is the deal. What's going on? Or one of you is gone. I mean, why not get rid of McCarthy two years earlier? Yeah, and it also... It makes uh, the fantasy game complicated at times. I've always said we never know what these guys are going through, whether it's off the field and, you know, sometimes dissension on a team. And we sit there every week and project players like, oh, Valdez Scantling's getting a shot now with these injuries. You know, he's going to blow up. I mean, how many weeks did we talk about him? And a lot of weeks it didn't happen. And we didn't know these details. You know, these are things that we just don't have the access to. And had we known this, then we would have backed off a little bit more. Absolutely. So let me ask you this. Between Ben Roethlisberger now and Aaron Rodgers, are quarterbacks too powerful? Uh, Probably, but I think they kind of have to be, right? Russell Wilson, too. He's like, if you don't give me a contract by April 15th, I'm not dealing with you anymore. How do the Seahawks not pay that guy? They got to pay him. Well, if they do, that's the problem. We said it. Like You have this window of the four or five years, if you get a really good young quarterback where you're not paying them, that's the window where you have to win. Because once they establish themselves and turn into a top quarterback, you got to pay them. And then that just cripples the rest of the team. And that's why this, the Browns have this window now here with Baker Mayfield not making money. The Seahawks had it with Russell Wilson for a while, and you've seen they haven't been the same team uh, as they are forced to pay a lot of the other stars on the other side of the football, and they can't. And it makes it much more difficult. So uh, that's why you see a lot of these teams – with the young quarterback, Pat Mahomes, you know, not making much money, that have this window of, uh, of possible success. And then once you have to pay that quarterback a lot of money, it just hurts uh, the rest of the team. By the way, I am so excited to see the Cleveland Browns play. I never thought I would use those words would come out of my mouth. I am hyped for the Browns this year. I think everyone is. Uh, that's going to be the darling team for everyone. Everyone's excited because uh, we saw them finish the year looking good and the additions they made, Beckham now with Baker Mayfield, they are going to be the uh, the sexy pick for everyone. I mean, is there anybody who's not going to pick them to win that division? A handful of people. There might be some Mike people. Tomlin? 
Yeah, maybe him and his family. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think the Bengals are going to beat the Browns. I mean, maybe the Ravens. Do you think? The, let me ask you this: it's just as long as we're on football, do you think that Lamar Jackson and how poorly he played in many ways, in many respects, played very well in other respects? Do you think that he becomes less of a threat the more tape is out there on him? It could be, but I think everyone knew last year that he was going to run quite a bit, and they still couldn't stop him. So I don't know how much because it's one thing to talk about it and be in a film room and say, do this, do that. And then it's another thing on the field to uh, try and stop him. So obviously he'll be working on the passing uh, to become more accurate. So uh, I still think he'll be a threat. This is going to sound very negative and it's not meant to be. Aren't the Ravens as good as his his first injury? I mean, when this guy gets one injury, isn't it all over? Well, he yeah. loses the speed. It's all over. I mean, because he doesn't have the passing skills. I mean, he's not Deshaun Watson with the with the with the with his arm. So, I mean, God forbid he has a leg injury. What are they going to do? Well, the other thing too is you built your offense around him, so you need to have a quarterback coming in with a similar skill set to back him up. Because you've just said we're going to be a running team. We're going to run the football a ton, and that's what they did. They had success with it. Uh, so that's the way they built the offense around the quarterback is to be primarily a running team. Yeah, no, it's true. So, all right, let's take a look at uh, the night slate in baseball, Adam. And I want us to talk about something first. I I wrote up in my daily Dr. Roto blog on uh, only found exclusively at scoutfantasysports.com, by the way. This is a night of daily I'm not playing. I don't like short slates. I don't like three-game slates because I think you have to be perfect to win. And it's not easy being perfect, Adam. I tell my wife that every night. So do you like short slates or not? No, I don't like a a three-game slate for MLB DFS. Um, NBA, I'm more willing to play a three- or four-game slate. Why? Uh, Why? What's the difference? uh, I I don't know. I just like it better in NBA. I just feel baseball, just three games. uh, There's more variance there. Uh, I think, obviously, uh, NBA a little bit more predictable with the minutes. So, you know, the other night, I think I pay, played a four-game slate, had some success. Well, I mean, I had Westbrook. You needed Westbrook that night. I think he had like Was that his 2020 that yeah. night? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, you know on a night like that, all right, he's going to put up big numbers. So just get him in the lineup. Whereas tonight in baseball, it's like you don't have, you don't have great pitchers at all. You only have three games if it's uh, the 7 o'clock slate. So it's just, to me, a little bit more variance tonight. I'd rather just. Uh, sit this one out. And if I'm not mistaken, if I put in 100 lineups, shouldn't I get almost every every combination tonight? No. With three with three uh with with only three games? No, nah, I don't think so. I think I could get close with 150 lineups. So try it. <laughs> if you pay for it, I'll try it. How about that? Is that the deal? But okay, so what if there's I'll go Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, Chicago, Cincinnati, Atlanta, what Cincinnati. If I can, I can, 150, I think I can get that. Okay, the multiples. There, there's a multitude of people who do that though. So someone's gotta lose. Right, but I'm saying on a night like tonight, if you're only playing one or two teams, you're worse off than ever. Yeah, probably, because you're if your combinations miss, you got no shot. Right. Whereas in a big in a bigger tournament when there's thirteen games or something like that, you have a better you, you can miss a little bit more. 
Right. Here, it's going to be very hard. All right, Cincinnati against Pittsburgh. I want to give credit again to Steve Renner in his Dongers article who said Jung Ho Gung was going to hit a home run last night, and he did. Tyler Mahi against Jordan Lyles. I have one word to say. Yeesh. Yeah, this is a pretty bad matchup. Molly did have a good spring. He wasn't very good last year and not a potent Pirates lineup, but uh, you know, this is his first start of the year. We haven't seen him yet. Same with Jordan Lyles, so... You would expect some offense here, but who knows with the way these teams are hitting right now. Who is Pablo Reyes? For the Pirates? Yeah, I've never even heard of him before. Is he any good? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> Usually I've heard of most of these guys, but it's funny because now I, I, you know, I've never heard of that guy in my life. All right. Chicago against Atlanta. I am actually interested to see this game. First of all, why? Because of you, Darvish. I mean, he has been disgusting. And Max Fried, who at one point was a decent prospect, who really hasn't done that much. So if, out of all these three games, I guess this is the one I'd be most interested in watching. Yeah, plus you have some good offensive players that you want to see with Freeman and Acuna. And you want to see if the Cubs can get going. Uh, they're off to a slow start here. And Darvish is definitely someone that a lot of fantasy people are watching, especially those that drafted him in the hopes that, hey, I got him cheaper than... He has been in a long time, and his first outing was not very good at all as he just could not find the strike zone. So uh, it's a big game for Darvish and the Cubs today. Did you see that David Bodie signed a five-year, $15 million extension? Did you think that was a brilliant idea by the Cubs or a dumb idea by Bodie? Uh, I, probably for him, he was just taking, I think, what he can get. Uh, they probably want him to be... An everyday player at some point, probably not this year, but yeah. Well, could was, he be their Zobris kind of guy? Could be. I mean, it, it was surprising to me, but then again, we're seeing so many guys sign right now, and I just think they're kind of worried about uh, the potential strike in a couple of years. So I think they're just trying to get their money now, and they also see what's happened to Dallas Keuchel and, and Craig Kimbrell. So they said, you know what, let me just uh, lock up this guaranteed money. And for some, it's we're going to look back and say, Man, that was a mistake. They could have gotten so much more. Maybe a guy like Acuna, you say that about, and other guys, you're going to say, well, it makes sense. I mean, look what Singleton did with but the Isn't, Bodie, the isn't Bodie worth more than $3 million a year? Uh, I mean, not yet. I mean, what has he done? I mean, I watched him play last year. He, he was pretty good when their third base, when Chris Bryant was out. I mean, he was okay, but you're right. He's 25, and I think that it's look, if you're him, you've got security and you've got $15 million guaranteed coming your way. So I guess I can't blame him. And if I'm the Cubs, I lock up a guy who could be a, a Zobris replacement in a year on, on the cheap. So I guess it makes sense, but it does seem if the guy ends up being Zobrist, he undervalued himself. Yeah, and we're going to probably go back and look at a lot of these deals and have similar thoughts on that, but I can't blame a lot of these guys for taking the guaranteed money when it's thrown in front of them and their agents must be telling them something for them to all be taking these deals. Everyone seems to be signing an extension now, so they must be getting good advice, I would hope, for them to do this. All right, the last game is the T Rangers against the Angels. Edison Volquez against Matt Harvey. Sean Childs has loved Matt Harvey for years. Do you love Matt Harvey? Uh, I don't love him. I mean, I hope he has success. I want to see him do well. Uh, I think he did what he could for the Mets. He went out there and tried to extend himself in the World Series, and then obviously he has not been the same pitcher since. So uh, I hope he can do well. Uh, he was not great in his first start, and uh, – 
Texas obviously can hit. It's better that they're away from Texas, but uh, you know, I'm not I'm not convinced that you're going to see a, a great, great performance from him yet. All right, update on the games. The Nationals are up two nothing. Victor Robles with a home run. Adam uh, Strasburg five innings, one hit. Yeah, Wilson Ramos got the lone hit. Uh, Strasburg has struck out seven and walked one. So uh, Mets need to get him out of this game and, and get into that Nationals bullpen, which has been a real problem. And I could see them letting Strasburg go, uh, depending on where the pitch count gets, you know, 110-115 to, to avoid that bullpen, which is just terrible. I mean, Trevor Rosenthal looks awful out there. All right, Nico Goodrum on fire today, two for three, two RBIs. And the the uh, Josh Harrison, uh, one for two with two runs scored. I won't even ask you about him, Adam, but he does have a stolen base. Yeah, I mean, again, he's not a difference maker for your fantasy team. You know, He's going to play every day, which is important. In a 15-team league as your middle infielder, sure. You hope for 10 and 10. This guy was an all-star a couple years ago, but he's not a guy that you're fretting about right now. If he's the worry on your fantasy team, you, uh, you're probably not winning a championship this year. All right, who's coming up in hour number two, Adam? I got Tim McLeod from Prospect 361 at 320. Yeah, Tim's. I think he's in labor with me. Yeah, so, he's uh, in. Yeah. He's in a labor league. I, I don't know if it's the one with you. Yeah, he's in mine. But he drafted a lot of young guys. Yeah, maybe. Todd Warsy did the same thing. He drafted a ton of rookies. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's why he's Prospect 361. I because, mean, it, worked, uh, it worked out for him. He took Tatis and Tout. He probably didn't expect him to come up so soon, and that one worked out. I guess that's true. All right, guys, this is Dr. Roto saying be well and take care. I'll be back tomorrow. Keep it right here for another hour of Scout Fantasy Sports with Adam Ronis. And remember, check out DynastyKing.com. Play in one of our Dynasty Leagues. We got big money Dynasty Leagues. You want to check it out right there, DynastyKing.com. All right, guys, back right after this.